Good morning, I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyber space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Well, good morning, everybody. We're back. Uh, I say this some Saturdays. It's probably the most exciting time of the week for me. I really mean it. Uh, we enjoy this show. It's a... Uh, uh, hopefully it's educational entertaining to you. It's very entertaining to us and, and fun to do. And uh, I guess it has to be that way because we've been doing it for 17 years. That was the recorded introduction you just heard. And this is Earl Stewart, the recovering car dealer, live and in color. And I uh, need to make a little correction in the recording uh, introduction. We have a son substitute this morning, Stu Stewart, uh, who is very popular on the show and gets a lot of calls. Uh, is on staycation, a COVID-19 kind of a thing. He's staying home with his family and uh, trying to calm down and relax and uh, a little R&R, but do it in a safe manner. So Stu's on a staycation, and I would like to introduce Josh Stewart to you. I'll do that in just a second. Josh is my youngest son. I have three sons. And Josh is our uh, co-general manager at our dealership. And when I mention our dealership, I have to say this is in full transparency because I am an automobile dealer. Josh is an automobile dealer. Nancy is an automobile dealer. We're all retail associated. Rick, we're in that business. But this is uh, not an infomercial. And I know you old listeners, I don't mean uh, chronologically, but you know, the ones that have been with us for a long time. Uh, You understand that. But I think a lot of people, uh, the naysayers in the audience might think that I'm using this as some sort of a means to sell more cars at my dealership. I don't, I truly don't. In fact, I probably err on the extreme there. We we push Hondas and we push Nissans and we push uh, all the good cars out there on the road, General Motors, but all the manufacturers today build some really good cars and there's some good buys. So we're not trying to get you to buy a car from us. We're trying to protect you from being taken advantage of when you do buy or lease a car or when you maintain or repair your car. And um, uh, one of the, if there's something that we overlook too often uh, is maintaining and repairing. We focus like on a mystery shopping report. We focus on sales practices and deceptive advertising and things of this nature. But people go in two or three times a year to have a car repaired or maintained. At least you should have them uh, maintained two or three times a year. And uh, Rick Kearney is a, part of this team, has been a part of this team for a long time, been with me for about a quarter century. Does that make you feel old when I say a quarter century? I mean, that's a lot of, a big chunk no, of your life. No, 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 <laughs> I, I think being old makes me feel old. The <laughs> <laughs> fact of the matter is, Rick is really good at what he does, and if you have a squeak or a rattle that you can't figure out, or you got a, a some sort of a symptom in your car, and maybe it's not accelerating right, or, you know, a, a smell, uh, there's so many things that can happen 
uh, when you're in He's your car. He's a hound dog. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to, you want to get it fixed, but here we are, COVID-19. And you say, do I really want to go into a service department somewhere? And uh, you know, sometimes they're not wearing masks. They don't have to do the social distancing. You, you worry about that. You know, the guy worked on my car. Uh, what if he's infected and, and, and then he hands the car back to me? I got to get in that car. A lot of reasons you don't want to go in. So I'm suggesting to you this morning, call Rick, 877-960-9960. And that's, uh, you can talk to Rick, directly to Rick Kearney, 877-960-9960, and ask him about it. He might say, nothing to worry about. He might say, try this. It might, it's possible it could be something serious. And then uh, he, he'll tell you to take it in and have someone take a look at it. So uh, repairing and maintaining during a pandemic. I wrote a column on that, by the way. Uh, and I think I go. have it over there somewhere. Yeah. How to repair and maintain your car during a pandemic. That's on the blog, EarlOnCars.com. And you can get all my blogs there. Uh, I also talk about buying a car during a pandemic. A lot of things change. I don't need to tell you. And uh, oh, here it is: maintaining and repairing. Yeah, maintaining and repairing your car during a pandemic. A lot of things you can do to be risk-free and still have your car taken care of. So there we are. And uh, Nancy Stewart, of course, uh, introduced her uh, the recorded introduction. And Nancy Stewart has been with me since the get-go. She's a founder, a founder of Earl and Cars, been with me from the very beginning. And uh, you know, when we started out on this show, we had no female listeners, and now we got uh, pretty close to parity. We got, a, uh, I'd say, about 50% every week, and uh, they give us a whole new focus. Uh, and let's face it, women and men are different. I discovered that when I was about 13, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure, but anyway, uh, they are different, and they look at life a little differently than men do. And the fact is, they're half the planet, right? Half the planet. They buy half the cars. They service and repair half the cars. And it really wouldn't be a very good show if we were only showing the, the male point of view. So uh, Nancy Stewart uh, has a very special offer. I'll just give you talk about it, Nancy. What, is, uh, what are you going to do for the lady listeners if we can get a few more today? Well, first of all, 13. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> I like that response. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Earl on Cars. And uh, we want to thank you for joining us uh, this full two hours that we have of information, mystery shopping report. Uh, we've got it all, but most of all, we need you. So give us a call toll free at 877-960-9960 or you can text us at 772-497-6530 and for the first two new lady callers we offer each of you $50 and uh, you know we can all use uh, a little extra cash especially now during the pandemic and uh, we really appreciate your company and uh, ladies uh, what you have to say is uh, is very important and we'd like you to give us a call even if you want to say hello or you do have a question 877-960-9960 now back to the recovering car dealer and we have a, a new access i say we've been doing it actually for a couple of years but we've always had the text number our text number is 772-497-6530 that, that's a text a lot of people like a text 
Uh, I, I, texting has become part of our lives. I mean, a lot of people just don't use telephones anymore. Uh, texting, in my opinion, is more efficient and it's less invasive and it also can be kind of, it's a little bit more anonymous. Uh, so text us at 772-497-6530. And then we said, why don't we have something that's really anonymous? And wow, what a reception we had to that. I, I expected the only uh, people that would use this, and that's youranonymousfeedback.com. Youranonymousfeedback.com. If you use that URL, that web address, and you put in your comments, criticisms, information, whatever you want to put in there, insults, fine. We thrive on constructive criticism, and we even like some unconstructive, you know, destructive criticism can be entertaining. And so nobody knows who sends this in. So youranonymousfeedback.com. Love to hear uh, what you had to say. And people do it just because I, I guess they feel a little bit, I don't know, Privacy is a big thing, and I think uh, that you feel a sense of total privacy, and you can speak your mind, and no one's going to come after you. So, youranonymousfeedback.com. Um, Josh moment. Stewart. Well, ex excuse me for a moment while I'm thinking about it, and we have the audience uh, attention. You know, uh, uh, week in and week out, uh, we expose... Uh, these car dealers and uh, what they're doing to consumers but uh, as i say always say we can't do it alone we really can't and uh, we would like you to take part in uh, giving uh, the attorney general a phone call uh, ashley moody she's here to protect the consumer and up until now uh, as far as i can hear and see uh, we haven't had her cooperation uh, not at all so give her a call 850-414-3300. Ashley Moody. Ashley Moody, yeah. Attorney General. Yeah, she can she, give us a hand. That's the big gun. She's the chief law enforcement officer in the state of Florida. And uh, when Ashley speaks, people, people pay attention. And uh, if she were to enforce the laws that are already on the books for the uh, car dealers, we have a, a rather lengthy statute that uh, covers things like uh, unfair deceptive advertising, uh, dealer fees, and a lot of other things that we talk about on this show week after week. And for some reason, none of our attorney generals, I'm not picking on Ashley, but uh, for the past three or four attorney generals that we've had since this show's been on, rarely is there ever any kind of intervention or control. Josh Stewart, uh, who I mentioned earlier, is uh, my youngest son, and uh, he is a, a co-general manager of our dealership with Stu Stewart, and he's also part of the cyber team that we use, the Mystery Shopping Report. And the Mystery Shopping Report is got to be the most exciting uh, part of the show. I mean, it's just it's, it's risky yeah, for the you know, undercover agent that goes into the dealership. Mm. It's also uh, risky for me uh, for assassination purposes, I'm only kidding. That's right. Okay. The Kevlar vest, I don't really need it, but I just I wear it anyway. And uh, Is I uh, supposed to have one of those? <laughs> oh, I, yeah, you do need one. I might give one to Agent Thunder, really, because the real risk is to our undercover Agent Thunder. And we've actually, uh, years ago, we had uh, one of our earlier agents that was almost physically challenged. 
uh, there was a tug of war between the vehicle buyer's order, and he snatched it out of their, their hand and ran out of the dealership. That would be Agent X. That was Agent X, yeah, right. Wow. And, and, and Josh uh, was kind enough to, uh, well, bless us with his presence, and uh, what a great guy. And, uh, we'll see if it's we, a blessing or a curse in two hours. <laughs> we... We didn't ask him to sign that waiver, though. You know, you've got the vest on. How's, how's Josh going to be protected here? I'm starting to get a little <laughs> nervous. But. Yeah. And uh, Josh also has got the hands-on experience of the dealership. I get a lot of calls. Uh, the show gets a lot of calls about specific uh, topical information about new models. And uh, uh, I have more of a strategic view of the car business. And, and Josh and Stu a more tactical, hands-on day-to-day. So uh, he is uh, the perfect substitute for Stu. If you have any questions about uh, this sort of thing, you know, mechanical repair, uh, maintenance, uh, Rick Kearney, and if you're talking about uh, does the new Honda or the new Toyota or the new Chevrolet uh, have this, or what's the horsepower? Uh, we, of course, we have Google as a backup, but Josh would be the one that could probably get, get it if we can't. If we can't find it, we go to Google. Josh may well know the answer. Uh, being the spy master, see, he works in a team with Stu. I call Stu the spy master general of the Mr. Shopping Report. But Josh is, he writes them up. He chooses the targets with Stu. And uh, he, this week he chose the target mm -hmm. entirely and wrote the whole thing up entirely. So, uh, uh, Josh, you got any comments at all? I, I just... Uh, I don't think I'm overstating it to say that the Mystery Shopping Report is unique in the whole uh, communications world. Well, I'd just like to say it's an honor to join the venerated Erlon Cars team. Oh, thank you. I'm a little nervous, a little intimidated. <laughs> I have some pretty big shoes to fill, but I'm, I hope that I uh, do my brother justice. You and, will. Uh, and, I, and I am excited about this week's report. It's just amazing week after week that... Um, that the dealers aren't cleaning up their acts after being exposed week after week. So yeah. I think this week's uh, shop is no different. So I look forward to it. It's hard to measure our effect. I mean, we uh, sometimes I, we like to give ourselves credit. Uh, I don't know whether the dealers are cleaning up their act or they're just getting smarter in the way they cover up their act. Uh, I was thinking uh, we've called dealer fees, dealer fees so long that it became a generic term and people and car dealers actually advertise no dealer fees because they changed the name to electronic filing fee. And the new development that we started talking about, we, we said this is uh, the way to tell a uh, hidden profit or a hidden fee is, is sales tax charged on it. If Florida or whatever state you're in charges sales tax on a fee, which has the implication of being a governmental thing, then uh, it's not a fee, a governmental thing, it's not a real fee, it's profit, and because it's not taxed. So now dealers have caught onto that, and they are accumulating their multiple dealer fees under a heading, uh, taxable fees. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, very clever, right? I mean, you have your non-taxable fees, and you have your taxable fees, and it just slips right by the buyer. Sounds harmless. Hey, fees. Oh, good. I like these. Mm -hmm. They're non. They're 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 non-taxable, but these are these are taxable fees. I can understand that. So. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, that's that's where we are now. And eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty is our call-in number. And uh, 
I want to say we prioritize our calls because you have to hold on the phone. And I think we've only got three or four lines coming into the radio station, so we don't want to lose any callers. So yeah. uh, if a caller comes in, we will take that call immediately, 877-960-9960. Speaking yeah. of calls, we are going to go to Palm City, where John is waiting. Good morning, John. Good morning to everyone. I just want to explain to a lot of younger people that don't really know what the purpose of a consumer advocate Earl Stewart is the only one on the silent generation. That's 1928 to 45. And there's never been another consumer advocate in history. The one before Earl is Ralph Nader. And now Ralph Nader was an interesting man in the fact that he criticized the American auto industry as a purveyors of unsafe products. He used the Corvair, Chevrolet Corvair, as a poster child. But there was a problem in the early Corvettes from 60 to 63. So Ralph wrote a book, Unsafe at Any Speed. Mm-hmm. It was all the truth in it. That's what a consumer advocate does. They research, and then they reveal the fact. And they really revealed that this car, especially at the beginning, was unsafe. It had problems. It had unsafe front-end steering. And Ralph Nader was retaliated by General Motors to discredit him. They tried dirt on him. They tried everything they could because of the anger of this book. But it wasn't true. And they wound up with egg on their face. It all backfired on them. By the way, people know this book in 65, but also in 71, he wrote a book, What to Do with Your Bad Car. Sounds familiar. (laughs) Sounds like Earl Stewart writing the book, telling you all the different things that you should know about buying an automobile used or new. So I just want to bring up about him. He was the only one in history that was a consumer advocate, which is what Earl Stewart is, uh, very devoted, very much research, and all they'd want to do is reveal the truth and nothing but the truth. Thank you, John. That's a a real compliment. I don't know if I can uh, fill those shoes of Ralph Nader. He was a pioneer. It's a little easier today. Back in those days, it was tough. General Motors came after Ralph Nader hard and dirty, a real, real... Uh, they, they hired private detectives, they uh, tried to embarrass him, they tried to get dirt on him, and they really went after him real, real tough. It was, uh, uh, it, he, he paved the way for me and other consumer advocates. We can speak out, and uh, we feel a little bit easier, thanks to Ralph Nader. He's quite a guy. Well, thanks to you and Nancy, your assistant, that you continued the tradition and will continue with it, and that's why we listen to your show on Saturdays. Thank you very much, John. I appreciate it. Hey, John, thanks for the uh, mail that you sent me on the Barracuda and uh, the advertisement and all the information. So what do you think if I do, well, purchase a fixer-upper like you suggested? Do you think I could work on it? Definitely. You're handy. You're you're, you're educated. You've been hanging around the automobile industry now, so you know. You know the sources, and you know the people to fix it right. (laughs) Oh, I I was talking about me personally. (laughs) Well, you'll always get assisted. you got Rick's, you know, sitting right next to you there. Yeah, not to mention my prior credentials. I used to take care of my own car in Pittsburgh. But anyway, John, thanks for being an important part of the show, and uh, look forward to hearing from you next week. And thank know. you guys for being there. Uh, John. I don't know, John. Last <laughs> week she was changing the oil on Earl's Lexus, and she pulled the drain <laughs> plug out a little too quick. She's got splashed with oil, and there was oil everywhere. <laughs>
<laughs> Just get it, John. You know, I, I have a confession to make. Uh, you know, confessions of recovered car dealer. Uh, back in the 60s and 70s, Ralph Nader of the days of the uh, Corvair. Uh, I have to confess that the first car I bought for Josh's mother when we were first uh, married was a Corvair. I did not know that. Yes. Well, that's... Uh, I kind of kept it a secret. I'm only kidding, but I was just, <laughs> but it was a. I, it's hard to believe it. It had a uh, front-wheel drive. One of the few cars mm -hmm. that had front-wheel drive back in those mm -hmm. days, and they hadn't got the technology and design down pat. And it, if you took it out on the turnpike and went over 55 or 60, the front end just kind of floated like that. It was a very scary oh feeling. Boy. So. Now I know why you chose the Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Mom. <laughs> Wow, that was a long time okay, ago. How are we doing? We got any uh, YouTubes or we got any texts or anything coming in that we can... We've uh, got a few text messages that have come in. Okay. Josh, you want to get your feet wet? Let's, let's do it. Um, this is from Anne-Marie. She says, good morning, Rick. You've been a mechanic, auto technician for decades. She obviously, she's seen your face. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, boy. We have got a few comedians here this morning. You told me to get my feet wet and... <laughs> Anyways, I'll move on. What is the scariest, most dangerous, potential catastrophic thing that you've seen in your career, and how can we avoid that problem? Thank you. That's uh, a great question. Really Anne-Marie, by the way, is one of our most educated, articulate. Yeah. Uh, uh, she's just a great caller and uh, texter, and she really comes up with some of the coolest stuff. That's a great question. I, I've, I've seen some wild things with cars. I think one of the scariest things is customers that try to do their own modifications or like adding in radio or wiring or lights, things like that. They add their own wires underneath the cars and their own stereo work and they don't understand just how dangerous electrical can be in an automobile when mm -hmm. all those wires are potentially moving and vibrating. And such things like that can cause a, a fire, a major issue in a car. Mm -hmm. But the other one I think really truly is the loose nut behind the wheel. I hate to put it that way, but no. I think people are the worst component of an automobile. And a, a driverless car, to me, an autonomous vehicle that takes over the road, if we had all autonomous vehicles, I think we would see a huge reduction in automobile crashes, mm -hmm. injuries, deaths, it would just make such a difference in the world to get people out of the equation yeah. when operating automobiles. Yeah, that brings to mind the sudden acceleration issue that uh, Toyota was focused on a long time ago. And uh, I, uh, we had a lot of people coming in that uh, said the cars were suddenly accelerating. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it was never proven. In fact, it was kind of proven that it, there was not a uh, issue in the electronics or anything like that. And a lot of that had to do with the, uh, with the accelerated pedal and the proximity to the brake and uh, people that were just, uh, you know, panicking and, and pressing the wrong thing. But uh, I think there were some design changes that were made as a result of that issue. Well, one of the biggest ones, one of the biggest changes that has come from that, and this is something that every single person, when you go out to your car today, would, before you start driving your car, take a look at the driver's side floor and fix one thing. Make sure that your floor mat is properly secured with the clips so that it cannot move and only have one floor mat. Don't stack multiple floor mats because those floor mats can shift and move. 
get up and interfere with the pedals, yeah. suddenly you cannot step on the brake maybe because the mat is jammed up under the brake pedal or the mat jams up on top of the accelerator yeah. and suddenly your car's out of control just because of a simple floor mat. Good point, yeah. And Rick, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, didn't Toyota um, start putting in a brake override system so if you hit the brake and the gas at the same time, oh, the gas kicks off and, yep. the, and the brake wins? Oh, great when point. You, if you're driving your car, if you're one of the people that use, like to use two feet, one mm -hmm. on the gas pedal, one on the brake. Don't do that. Yeah. If mm -hmm. your foot bumps down on the brake pedal a little too hard, just enough that it triggers that stoplight switch, your gas pedal suddenly goes to zero. It's, it just it shuts the acceleration down. Yeah. So you can be driving on the highway and all of a sudden your car just suddenly decelerates mm -hmm. because of that safety override. Well, that's a great example of a uh, erroneous complaint. There was no technical error causing sudden acceleration, but the manufacturers, Toyota was the big one, but there were other ones that were charged too, mm -hmm. uh, suddenly realized this is human behavior. You said the nut behind the wheel. So yep. the changes were made to make the nut behind the wheel safe by a, a design change, which is really cool. I mean, you got to accept the fact there's always going to be nuts behind the wheel. I'm one of them, by the way. And I just I ask Nancy. To that. We uh, all are. Yeah. We all are. And so if you can make uh, cars uh, <clears throat> accommodate uh, human behavior, uh, and make the car safer, that's the way to go. To protect us from yeah. ourselves. You know, so, uh, talking about uh, human behavior and the uh, floor mats, uh, am I wrong uh, that uh, Toyota has downsized uh, these mats that, that they're using in all of their vehicles, or are they still just you, as large? You are not. They are shrinking the size a little to help prevent that because situation. It, uh, I've heard uh, from uh, a lot of people about some disasters getting their foot caught up underneath a mm -hmm. place you know it, it it can be it can pose as a danger absolutely yep okay. well that's good to hear that they have i thought it was my imagination they are downsizing okay we got any okay, more text, text over there uh, i'm going to give out that phone number real quick yeah, the lines seem to be a little cold uh 877-960-9960 and you can text us Josh is right here to take your text at 772-497-6530. And ladies, please, I have $50 in my little hands for each, for the first two of you that will give us a call this morning. You can win yourself $50, 877-960-9960. Uh, back to Josh. Is, are you? Uh, I don't have any fresh texts. Okay. But uh, Rick? But Rick might. Well, we got, uh, let's see. Uh, good morning. Brian from California. I have a question for you this week. For the longest time, I've been interested in car sales. I've watched hundreds of car sales training videos over the years. I listen to the mystery shop every week. I feel like it's something I could do. I love cars and have 12 years of customer service dealing with people. Uh, kind of shorten this down a little bit. Um, I know car sales right now are pretty decent. Basically, this fellow is asking, do you think it would be a good time for a new person to get into the career of selling cars? Uh, yes, it would. I mean, uh, it's really uh, surprised us who are in the retail car business how uh, stable it has been. Actually, it's been uh, even better than we expected. And I theorize that it's because the vehicle has become a safe spot for people during the pandemic. Uh, people feel comfortable and safe in the vehicle. and. If they need a vehicle, they go out and buy another one. Um, so 
Yeah, it's a great opportunity. Uh, when we hire people in our dealership, uh, we don't look for people that are expert in the car business. We look for people that have the talents that uh, a good salesperson has. Likeability is very important. Uh, you have to be able to handle rejection because you talk to five people, you're only going to sell one or two cars. And uh, you have to be able to handle uh, uh, technical things to some extent because you have to explain the product. Uh, my, my main advice to this person is find a dealership that uh, does business honestly. And it's not as easy as it may, it may sound. Uh, if you can find a dealer that is a one price dealer, meaning they put their lowest price on every vehicle they sell, that eliminates a lot of the shenanigans and the deception uh, when you have a dealer that does not negotiate or, or, or raise or lower the price. You know, in the average car dealership, uh, when you walk in and you buy a particular vehicle, if three people bought that same vehicle on that day, there would be three different prices. The sales people are paid on commission, and the more they can raise the price of the vehicle to you, the more money they make. But in a, in a, low, a one price store, they have the lowest price is there. It's a good price. It's a fair price. If it's not a fair price, the dealer's going to go out of business. So he has to put his best price on that vehicle. And it's easier uh, in, in that sense because the deception is gone. You're not afraid of people that walk in the door uh, and say, can I look at that car? If you stay tuned for a mystery shopping report today, you'll find out exactly what I'm talking about. The cars advertised for a monthly payment that we knew was impossible, and sure enough, it was impossible. Mm -hmm. It was uh, basically the price was understated by $5,000 because those were the hidden fees and the qualifications uh, that uh, we had to get to. So you don't want to work for a dealer that tricks people to come in. So keep shopping around, uh, check some references, check some Google ratings, find a dealer that is, uh, has his lowest price on the car and is honest. And it's a great profession. You can make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. For sure. Word of mouth is great. And I would suggest uh, maybe even shopping those dealers himself. You know, send in an internet inquiry or pick up the phone because what we found at our store is like we're getting less foot traffic coming in the door. Right. But we have a high volume of phone calls and internet inquiries because people don't want to go physically from store to store to store just because of the whole COVID situation. So mm -hmm. a store that embraces that end of the business, yeah. that would be a good store to work for. Great, hey, here's great another idea. thought I just had is that you could mystery shop the dealer yourself, uh, and you could do it all by the telephone. If you call a dealership and find a car and pretend like you want to buy it and go through the process by email and by phone, and if you feel like you're getting uh, the runaround, that might not be the kind of dealership you want to work for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great experience, and it's a great idea, uh, Josh. I'll tell you uh, my experience in using the Internet and looking for a car. Uh, I was dealing with uh, three different uh, car dealerships, but one in particular. Uh, I'll tell you the uh, response and the repercussions of that uh, car dealer. It just uh, set my hair on fire. I said, uh, I don't even want to go in there. You know, so uh, it, it's it's worth your while. Ladies and gentlemen, again, that phone number is 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. I can't mention enough. Ladies, first two new lady callers, you got yourself $50. And take advantage of uh, com. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Okay, if we're, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of running short of text and, and YouTube. I know we got YouTube. We got a couple here. Okay, yeah. good. 
Uh, Rico West, and this is a comment that Earl, I, I think you'll find true to heart. Okay. I'm ready to buy a new car and would love to get the silky smooth Toyota V6. Mm -hmm. As a tall driver, however, over six feet, the lower sloping roof lines are making it impossible to fit such cars as the Camry and the Avalon. Mm -hmm. Is this an issue that, that you've encountered? Because I know you're you're six one, six two, six three, yeah, six three, and yeah. Actually, I don't encounter the problem because a lot of my height is not in my upper body there. But uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not uncomfortable in mm -hmm. any of those cars. Uh, Josh, you're you're in the trenches. What what's your opinion on that? Well, um, I personally, I'm six one. I fit fine in the Camry, especially in the Avalon. Uh, the V6 is also available in in a Highlander or a Full Runner, so mm -hmm. maybe a SUV would work better for uh, for this or person. We have the new Venza coming back now, so very yeah. excited Can about you that. that? Yeah. However, that's going to be a four cylinder hybrid, so we're ah. not going to have the silky smooth V6. It'll be a silky smooth oh. hybrid synergy drive. Yep, yep, yep. Great information. Well, I know from a, from a personal point of view, I'm I'm five eleven. But I'm rather a big guy, and on the average workday, I'm getting in and out of 8 to 10 or 12, maybe 15 cars, mm -hmm. and a lot of them very small cars. So I'm sometimes having to shove my bulk into a Yaris. And, uh, well, let's just say I don't exactly always get into them as so much as I put them on. Or it's easy but, to get in, yeah. but not so much to get out. Yeah, I can I can get in. I just can't get out. It's like a lobster yeah. trap. Yeah. yeah. You know, wouldn't it be great whenever you're um, purchasing a car uh, that uh, you could? Re a, a lot of people don't take this into consideration. You know how tall you are. Do you have back problems? How mm -hmm. comfortable the seat is? How many times you're going to be getting in and out of that vehicle? And uh, you know, uh, if I get into Earl's car. Uh, I'm lost. I can't even see over the dash. It's mm -hmm. like a tank. But for the Avalon, I'm pretty comfortable yeah. uh, for right. the seat and for everything else. If you okay, have, I think we have a YouTube over here. Do we? we have a couple, actually. But uh, this one's a follow-up, kind of, actually, from uh, one of Stu's contacts. Greetings from San Diego. Ah. This oh, is yeah. Dave from San Diego, which, a uh, quick update, he's been looking for a Volvo XC60 and he's really been doing a nationwide search, and he huh. ran into an issue with one in New Jersey that turned into a bad situation. Mm -hmm. So here he says, I wanted to give you an update on my car search. After searching all over the country for a particular XC60 that I was looking for, I ran into many unscrupulous dealers. Finally, after much searching, I spotted the car I wanted at Kempthorne Motors in Canton, Ohio. After so much bad service, I was shocked to deal with an honest salesman <laughs> and a straightforward car dealership. Examples include no additional BS dealer fees beyond the state-allowed $380 dock fee. The sales rep, Roger, documented the very small number of chips on the body and took numerous pictures to send me. The dealer also allowed me to get a full pre-purchase inspection at an ASE mechanic of my choosing. When the inspection came back with two tires that had 530 seconds of wear, the dealer replaced the two rear tires with OEM tires at no charge. Further, the dealer arranged for shipping the car to San Diego, which I paid for, and gave me a tutorial of the car over the phone. The car arrived as promised in perfect condition. To top it off, the salesman sent me a handwritten thank you note for purchasing the car. 
This kind of shockingly good service is so hard to come by that I wanted to give a shout out to Roger and the team at Kempthorne Motors in Canton, Ohio. This proves to me that it's possible to buy a used car from across the country mm. if you find the right dealer and do your due diligence. Thanks for your help along the way. Love the show, Dave in San Diego. Give me, give me the spelling of that name. It is Kempthorne as K-E-M-P-T-H-O-R-N Motors. Kemp Thorn. Wow. Isn't it amazing we get excited about it? it just, and unfortunately, it's in Canton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're looking for an honest car dealer, uh, I just, and the interesting thing is shipping. You know what I'm hoping with this whole pandemic coronavirus thing that, that uh, the, we have a uh, uh, watershed moment in the retail business. Online sales is really getting strong. Maybe we will be buying more cars online. And maybe, uh, in this case here, from Canton, Ohio to San Diego, California, and apparently the shipping uh, was uh, affordable mm -hmm. based on the pricing. And people will go a long way and pay for honesty. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, we ought to start a list. This sounds to me like a uh, a whole new angle of the show, finding uh, an extremely honest car dealer. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's, the first one on the list, we'll start it, and we'll add to the list, will be uh, Kemp Thorne. Um, Motors. Kemp Thorne Motors. Motors. in Canton, Ohio. Kemp yep. Thorne. Yeah. Wow. Uh, to, to this uh, topic, uh, as a woman, I feel much safer online. I feel more in control online so uh you know that's that, that's a a great a great uh, youtube that you shared with us absolutely yeah. i think if it's you nice uh, to be not, uh, not to honest. beat this to death but i think that if a person uh were, uh, were like dave in san diego really had the uh, uh stay stick to itiveness to continue no matter what car you're looking for a used car used volvo or a new vehicle if you go far enough uh and you shop uh, far enough away and, and expand your radius, uh, you will find a savings that will be so substantial that would actually justify the shipping. And uh, if you can find somebody that will give you an out-the-door price, that's the price you write the check out for, and pick the car up and take it home or have it shipped to you. Uh, if you can find that, uh, how much time would it really take? I mean, it took Dave a while. We've been talking to him for, you know, I think it's been over several weeks. A couple yeah. of weeks. But if you're if you're actually at your keyboard uh and you go around uh, it, it might take you two or three hours mm -hmm. and you start close and you expand but in this case here i don't know how far it is we could google it san diego to canton how far is it somebody somebody do that ask siri how far is san diego from canton i'm gonna guess 1800 miles yeah so shipping for 1800 <laughs> miles <laughs> that's a good number uh would probably be a thousand dollars uh, yeah, to go from here to California is in the neighborhood of 1500 so from Canton, probably around 1000 yeah. So they found... All right, so who's, who's got what on the numbers now? I'm 1800 1800 What do you say, Earl? 1500 I'm going to say 1700 Oh, wait. Is this the Price is Right rules? Can Jonathan <laughs> now say one mile? And... Uh-oh. Oh, he, he's already on the Google, so. 1,355 miles. Okay, well, I've got... 1889 from Canton to San Diego as the crow you know, as across the, crow the highway. Flies. Flies. Okay. <laughs> by, by highway, it's showing the highways there. 
So getting back to my point is the fact. Well, hang on a second. I was within 83 miles. I think that deserves a little. Uh, yeah. 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 Let's, let's give Josh. So we're trying to encourage people to use online. And yes. uh, you shave your, your gasoline, your shoe leather. Mm -hmm. uh, you are really saving a lot of energy and aggravation. And uh, if you use a, a phony email address, you get a free email address, Yahoo or, or, or Outlook or Gmail. Know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Gmail, and use a use a uh, fictitious email address that you get the emails from, and don't give them your phone number. Make up a phone number. Uh, you can use your real name if you want to, and uh, they're not going to hound you. And you can do that. You can hit 25 or 30 dealerships, and get 25 or 30 conversations and proposals and quotes. Choose the best one, mm -hmm. and uh, you'll probably find it'll pay the shipping charges. Yeah, definitely well, worth the time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, knowledge <coughs> is power. Our lines are open. We're waiting for your call. Yeah, come on, call us. We need some more yeah. calls. And 877-960-9960. 877-960-9960. I have some anonymous feedback, so for waiting. Cool, oh, let's do that. All right. Um, this one came in. It's a question about some diesel trucks, so this might be in Rick's wheelhouse. Um, if you think of five-year-old diesel trucks are outrageously priced, look at a 15-year-old Dodge pickup with a Cummins diesel. Even a Roach sells for $10,000, and one in nice condition sells for twenty. There's only one reason for this. Trucks pre-2008 don't have DEF filters, and everyone wants them because of that. DEF filters help the environment by reducing emissions, emissions but man, do they tank the reliability of diesel engines. Do you know mm. anything about that, Rick? I would have to look that up because, unfortunately, it's been 20 years since I worked wow. on a diesel. And right now, Toyota doesn't have any diesels here in the U.S. They're, they make diesels outside of the U.S., but we don't have them. Yeah. Um, I do know the basics of diesel operation and a few things about them. But, yeah, those, it's those older trucks, those are the ones that they'll do that uh, rolling coal. Mm -hmm. They can tune them up to the point of which they're blowing clouds of black smoke. But, you know, it also, that is very hard on an engine when you've got you, Why don't you Google rich. that, and uh, we'll, we'll answer it sometimes. He, Rick answers 999 out of 1,000. Stumped him because Toyota doesn't build a diesel in the nah, USA. I'm so, already on it. So let's, yep. uh, let's go to another anonymous feedback, no and we'll come back and see if we can help uh, that man. I thought, well, I thought Rick just made everything up, but now I get to yeah. see, see the, uh, the research okay. in action here. Yeah, this, this is one I actually ran into recently. It's... The DEF is the diesel exhaust fluid. Okay. Wow. And without trying to get too technical, when you're trying to reduce emissions in a vehicle, you get a, there's a happy point where you get the hydrocarbons and the carbon dioxide way down, and the oxides of nitrogen then start to go up. So this diesel, diesel fluid is actually in bigger trucks. It's meant to be injected into the exhaust right before the final burn portion so that it can help reduce those oxides of nitrogen coming out of the truck. And that being a bigger expense, that's why a lot of people look for the older diesel trucks. Understood. Do All people right. disable that on their trucks or can it be disabled? It can be disabled, but it's going to affect the way the engine runs in such a bad way oh. that it wouldn't, it wouldn't be worth doing it. Okay, I got you. Understood. Uh -huh. All right. <clears throat> Next we have, I get the... Um, uh, the anonymous feedback reads, I get the point of comparing out-the-door prices among competitors, but if they're all charging you bogus fees like dealer fees, electronic filing fees, window etching fees, etc., it makes no difference who gives you the lowest price. 
The goal is not paying any of those made-up charges. Yeah, I, uh, I read that anonymous feedback, and uh, I see exactly the thought process. Uh, the problem is that because every dealer has different hidden fees, and they have different names and different amounts, I noticed in, when the day from San Diego bought his Volvo uh, in uh, Ohio, they have a state-mandated limit on dealer fees of $380. Now, if everybody was consistent in Ohio and that was the only hidden fee, then it's easy. It's just a matter of uh, they're allowed to charge it, and they're going to charge it, and everybody charges it. So it's just like the price of the car went up by $380. Mm -hmm. You just have to shop and compare different dealers that will have the lowest out-the-door price. So that's the reason we go to the out-the-door price. We go to the out-the-door price because you're playing the dealer's game when you get into the, I won't pay this fee. And you also get into a situation where you don't recognize it because they are so clever. Uh, electronic filing fee, uh, e-filing fee, doc fee, admin fee. And you have to be uh, an expert on hidden fees to know what's legit and what's not. They even call fees they don't want to call a name. They say taxable fees. Well, if it's taxable, it's not really a government fee. So uh, I like to take away their game and just say, charge all the fees you want to. Yeah. Just give me your out-the-door bottom-line price. I can write a check for that amount, give you the check, and take my car home. If they do that, then you just take their big, fat fees compared to somebody else that doesn't have big fat fees, and maybe that's a better deal. Mm -hmm. So just out the door price, you, you also cannot negotiate to remove the fees usually. Sometimes they will, but you have to understand this. The sales commission usually does not account for the dealer fee, meaning uh, the, the salesperson typically gets 25% of the price of the, of the profit on the car. But he doesn't get paid on the dealer fees. So if you're talking to the salesman about taking uh, this hidden fee off by any name, he's, he's going to say, we can't do it. We charge all customers that. And he'll probably tell you, we have to charge all customers that. Mm -hmm. Well, he has to charge them that because if he takes it off, he's lowering the commissionable gross. So if there's $1,000 in dealer fees and he lowers the price for you by $1,000 or takes that dealer fee off, it cost him $250 in commission at 25%. In, so you don't want to play the dealer's game and argue about fees. Get all the fees you want, put it in the lump sum, and yeah. shop and compare. That's the key. Exactly. I like the phrase, uh, like, what should I write the check for and drive away? Yeah. I'm going to my bank. I'm getting a cashier's check. What is that to the penny? What's that amount going to be? Boy, what a good feeling that would be. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and there was a time whenever uh, it was just a dealer fee, and people knew what it was. But the terminology has become a whole lot more elaborate, mm -hmm. and it's really hard to decipher. And as Josh said, that's a win-win situation. You know, what, if, what is the out-the-door, write the check, boom, you're gone. Here's a little trick you can try when you're uh, buying a car, if there are hidden fees involved, and you're saying, I want an out-the-door price. We've actually done that at our dealership in the past, and you can do it yourself. Uh, you ask for the out-the-door price, you say, this is the price I can write the check for, and they give you the price. I said, okay, uh, I'm taking that, as, as Josh just alluded, to my credit union. I'm taking it to my bank and they're going to give me a cashier's check, and I'm going to bring it to you. At our dealership uh, in the past, I don't know if we've done it 
recently, but Stu said he wanted to start trying it. Uh, when a customer comes in and they're convinced that they have an out-the-door price from another dealer, we say, well, we can verify that for you. Mm -hmm. you, uh, you call the salesman up at the dealership and pretend to be uh, Mr. Smith at uh, Wells Fargo Bank and say, you know, say that my customer uh, uh, wants to buy a car, we're going to issue a check, I'd like to check for the amount that I can give my customer to bring to you to buy the car. And uh, I understand the, pr the price is this. And they start hemming and hawing, the salesman is, hemming and hawing to Mr. Smith, the loan officer at Wells Fargo. Then you know that they're not getting, giving you a legitimate price. So that's the way you don't play the dealer's game. You get to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or you could go to Earl on Cars and you can pull up my affidavit, the out-the-door price and you can take you've got all the control you know if, if you're really not well you don't want to duke it out with anybody but sometimes that's a little bit of fun but anyway back to serious <laughs> seriously the out the door price and you can download that fax it over to the uh, car dealer that you're dealing with uh they put the price in uh, fax it to a manager whatever and you're guaranteed so take advantage of that, ladies and gentlemen. And we are going to go to Warren. He's a regular caller from Pompano Beach. Good morning, Warren. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Great. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to tell you that uh, from this radio show, I helped my cousin out, and I'll tell you exactly what happened. It happened yesterday. He's got an Avalon. It's about five years old. And we were just talking in general, and I'm here in northern New Jersey, and I'm expecting a big heat wave here tomorrow with temperatures close to 100 degrees. And in just in passing, he says, you know, I have a recall on my Avalon. I said, really? And I said, what is it? He says, some airbag thing. I said, airbag thing? Let me see it. It was a Takata airbag. So I said to him, Lou, you better go and get that fixed. So he's a busy guy. So I said, look, let me take it in for you. And I just yesterday took it into the Toyota dealer where he bought it. And I had to say that they all were wearing masks. Uh, they all did the social distancing. Everyone in the place had a mask on. And, you know, there was, you know, I just had to say they had to run very efficiently. They came out. They grabbed the car. They said two hours. They had it done in 90 minutes. But the fact that listening to your show, he was riding around with this recall on the Takata airbag for God knows how long. And he just never took care of it. So, you know, I want to thank you guys for, you know, telling him, telling me to tell him to get the Takata airbag fixed. Uh, especially now we're going to have this heat wave here in uh, northern New Jersey. The temperature is supposed to be 95 and above hmm. uh, over the next week. And I was telling him what could happen and everything. And of course, a lot of people poo-poo it, but, you know, I got it done for him anyway. So I just wanted to thank you guys for making everybody aware of it. Yeah. Uh, Warren, thanks so much, and thanks for spreading the word on our show. And, boy, I'll tell you what, that heat wave you talk about, boy, the uh, those airbags, uh, the Takata airbag, you know, what a perfect storm with the heat. And, uh, you know, as if we needed something else to add to the danger. But thank you for the call. Do you have any other questions? Sorry. No, I, I think that's pretty much it. But I think you guys do a great service because I, you know, I would never know about it. You don't read, you read virtually nothing about it today. And the fact that you guys have these, uh, you know, keep bringing it up. And the last person in the world that I would think would have been his car that had, and he's, you know, he's been riding around with this for God knows how long with the recall. Yeah. Like yeah. Said, he's, a, he's, a, he's a busy lawyer, doesn't have time, and I'm tired, and I'm up here staying at his house. 
So, I, you know, we got the thing. I said, well, just make the appointment and I'll bring it in for you. But like I said, the dealership, they had everybody was wearing a mask. They had all social distancing. Um, and uh, so there was no problem with the mask or anything like that. So I think the fact that you do such a great job uh, in telling people about these recalls and stuff is, uh, is really an important function because, you know, like I said, you don't see anything about it anymore. Yes, uh, things have really quieted down as far as that's concerned. And as you know, you know, Earl's been on quite a journey uh, with uh, this uh, terrible, terrible situation. You could drive off a lot and, you know, get into an accident and die on the road. And there's just a, a lot of really important people who really haven't taken this into consideration. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you, Warren. And uh, your friend, I think he really appreciates you. No, I just especially I said, boy, you better get this fixed because, you know, talking about this heat for the next week to 10 days. Mm. I'm talking about brutal heat up here. And I said, you know, these things could explode like a hand grenade. Because when people don't follow it, it's like anything else, they're not paying attention to it. You know, it's like a light bulb or it's, you know, so when I get around to fixing it, I'll fix it. It's not a big deal when I change the oil next time. So he forgot, you know, he just didn't do it. Now it's done, so I'm glad that you guys told him about it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Warren. Give us a call again, 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Don't forget, your anonymous feedback, www.youranonymousfeedback.com. Okay, who are we going to here? I have another feedback, or yeah, I just uh, this uh, Warren's call prompted me to uh, remind people we throw a lot of numbers at you, and web addresses and things like that. Uh, probably the most important one we can throw you, if you're buying a vehicle, is uh, safercar.gov. Uh, you should write it down and uh, put it somewhere where you can't miss it when you when you're car shopping. You know the the problem is that uh, there's no conversation about it anymore, especially during the pandemic. And it isn't just the Takata airbag. I mean, there's a lot of dangerous recalls. One out of every four vehicles on the road has a dangerous recall. One out of four. And 25% of the total number of vehicles on the road, that's a lot of vehicles. When you buy a used car, you've got, it's like Russian roulette. Uh, The chances are that car has got a dangerous recall and wasn't fixed. So safercar.gov, www.safercar.gov. You uh, go there to the National Highway Traffic Safety Association site. You put the VIN in, and it tells you exactly what are the recalls, if they're dangerous, if the recall fix is available. But one thing you don't ever want to do is buy a car without the fix available. I mean, you can buy a car with a dangerous recall if you know it's a dangerous recall because you can tell the dealer, fix it before I buy it. Or if you want to take some risk, you, t- you buy it and you go straight to the Honda dealer or the Chevrolet dealer, who's ever manufacturer, and make them fix it right away. But you can buy a car today legally and have the fix unavailable, and you can have that car for a couple of years before they make the fix available. It's a terrible situation. Safercar.gov. Write it down and check out the vehicle before you buy it. Okay, Josh, you got another uh, yeah, this one appears to be from a employee of a Chrysler Jeep dealership. Um, simply says, a Chrysler manufacturer extended warranty allows you to keep your car covered. This warranty is a genuine Mopar protection plan that can be purchased at any time during the life of your vehicle. 
The Chrysler, Jeep, Fiat, and Dodge warranty plans offered here are sold without sales pressure. And we had a discussion last week, and I wasn't aware uh, uh, that there are manufacturers out there selling extended warranties. Toyota doesn't. Nope. And uh, <clears throat> so I learned something, and I think we talked about Ford uh, last week, and now we find out Chrysler also has such a thing. So my answer on that is if it's a manufacturer selling you the, the, the warranty, it's a lot more legitimate and it's a lot less likely to be overpriced with less coverage than it should have than anything else. Uh, I don't always believe that to buy extended warranty is a good practice uh, <coughs> from a, a economic standpoint. It's, it might be a good practice from a peace of mind standpoint, but if you buy a good reliable vehicle, it's just common sense. You're probably going to end up paying more in warranty costs than you do in repair costs. If you buy a, a, a unreliable vehicle, something that Consumer Reports has a high maintenance and repair cost, then you might might be a good idea to buy one. But if you buy one, be sure you know what's covered and what's not covered. And look at the price. These these prices that I see from the ones that are advertised on television, you know, two, three thousand uh, dollars and more for these extended warranties. All they do is cover the powertrain. But if it's a manufacturer's, it's legitimate. Mm -hmm. All right, we have uh, another one. <laughs> this might uh, this might take a while. Uh, I'll have to absorb that and read a, a, a shorter one. This one's for Rick. Rick, what is the deal with nitrogen-filled tires? Is this legit or just another dealer trick? Apparently, uh, not a long-time listener of the show because I th for many years we this yeah. was a hot topic. But you know, Rick and and. Uh, and my dad could easily answer this question for you. Yeah, what are they on the what tires? Nitro, nitro-filled tires. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boy, do we have a lot to say about nitrogen. Yeah, yeah uh, Rick, Take it away. I, I'm tired of answering that. You go ahead and answer <laughs> I use nitrogen, but I go to the Daytona 500, and it sure. really, really helps my car. Get that extra tenth of a second, don't you? <laughs> Boom. Short answer, blue smoke and mirrors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nitrogen does nothing special for the tires. The air we breathe is 78% nitrogen. And folks, all that's happening is that per, that dealership is trying to make you a captive audience because they'll say, we'll fill your cars back up with nitrogen free anytime you come in. So every time you come in there to get your tires checked, they can look for something else to upsell you. And you get those and cool green valve step <laughs> catches. Yeah. Nice. If you have to have nitrogen, then buy your tires at Costco because they give you the nitrogen free, but they have an ulterior motive too, because they promise to top off and freshen up your nitrogen, your worthless nitrogen. But I say it's okay to buy worthless nitrogen that the price is zero. So you pay zero, the nitrogen is worth zero, and uh, if you go to Costco, they'll give you more worthless nitrogen every time they service your car. And just as a reminder for newer listeners, years ago we did a, uh, our own study, filled half of our rental car fleet with regular air, half with nitrogen, um, drove them for a couple months, yeah. measured the tire wear, the gas mileage, and there was no measurable difference between yeah, our rental fleet. We have, uh, we have a rental company, put half nitrogen on the tires, the other half without, drove them for several thousand miles, no difference. Consumer Reports, by the way, did a, re a test later on and verified that we were accurate. We thought it was legitimate, it sounded so good. Mm -hmm. We thought it might be legitimate, so that's the reason we tested it. Yeah. And Consumer Reports tested it over a full year on every tire manufacturer in the United States 
or sold in the United States, and they came up to the conclusion nitrogen is worthless yeah. in a tire. And it is not unheard of, ladies and gentlemen, that you can go into a dealership and they'll charge you for nitrogen, and they'll charge you an obscene amount of money. We've heard it. We've had our you know listeners call us, and uh, it is uh, well. What a terrible thing to take advantage of the consumer one other way. Mm-hmm. Okay, 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Before we get to your YouTube, Rick, we're going to go to Gail, who's giving us, us a call from, uh, well, the print is a little small there, but it is Gail. And uh, welcome to the show, Gail. Hi, Gail. Good morning. My question is, what Toyota model has the easiest infotainment to operate? I've had trouble in the past with some cars that I've purchased. I'm wondering what Toyota model would be easiest on the infotainment to operate. Please. I can uh, offer my my two cents here. This is Josh. Okay. Um, The newer models, first let me ask you a question. Do you own an iPhone or or an Android, um, Android phone? iPhone. Oh, perfect. In my opinion, my humble opinion, mm-hmm. um, most um, 2020 models of Toyota and above have um, Apple CarPlay as a standard feature. And basically okay. what this does is you plug your phone in and it mirrors your iPhone on your screen in your car, and it is as intuitive and easy to use as your iPhone. Um, in my experience, I mean, they've gotten better over the years, but the factory infotainment systems are just a nightmare. And I think everyone here at this table will agree they're they're clunky, they're not intuitive. But um, the yep. Apple CarPlay feature, which I said is standard on most Toyotas now, you plug it in okay. and it looks just like the home screen on your iPhone. You make your calls just like you make your calls on your phone. You use the map, you speak to it, and it's as simple as um, as using your phone. Okay, and all the Toyota models would have that. Feature. Yes, the majority of our 2020 models and above. So if you're buying a used Toyota, um, you better make sure. But you can be pretty confident that every new Toyota that's a 2020 now is going to have it. Right. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah, oh, it, thank it, you so much. No, you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's an excellent question. I just want to thank Apple for jumping in and helping Toyota out after all these long years. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Hey, um, Gail, are you a first-time caller? I am a first-time caller. Oh, congratulations. You just won yourself $50. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much, and thank you for the information. It was really important That's for me to note that before I purchase. I appreciate that. Oh, you're quite welcome. And uh, you can stay on the line, and you can give Mike in our control room your information so that I can send you that check. Thank you so much, and thank you for your information. It was very helpful. Have a wonderful weekend. Give us a call again. And don't forget, Gail, spread the word with the ladies. I want to hear from more ladies. Thank you so much. Okay, I believe a YouTube from Rick. Yeah. Uh, Mark Ryan has a comment. He says, Rick, being from Iowa, our state produces a lot of ethanol. Are you seeing any long-term engine or fuel system problems from the use of ethanol in the gas, the E10 version. Well, E10 has been around for many, many years. I mean, we're talking 20 years or more now. 
and E10 is actually pretty safe. We haven't seen any real big issues at all. However, in the past four or five years, six years, cars are now going to E15, and the cars are designed to handle it, but remember, if you have an older vehicle that's only up to E10 standards, do not use E15 fuel. The other thing to watch out for is that E85. If your car is not flex fuel and cannot handle E85 fuel, definitely do not use that fuel. It can cause major problems and a huge expense. Other than that, the cars that are properly designed for it, we haven't seen any real major issues with them. Uh, it, pretty, it, it works pretty well. I mean, they're, they're trying to use the ethanol as basically an oxidizer in the fuel to help it burn cleaner and more completely to help reduce emissions. I have, I have a question about that. <laughs> when they say E10, that means up to 10, doesn't mean 10% ethanol. Right, it's and up to 10%. Uh, what is, what are the, maybe you don't know, what is the actual amount of ethanol in E10? It depends on the, the gas supplier, the, the actual manufacturer of the fuel. Uh -huh. It can be anywhere from 0%, which is unlikely, most of them are going to be around 8 to 9.5%. Some of them are actually pushing it right up to that full 10%, but they usually try to leave a, a little bit lower, so there's kind of a, a safety gap in there. You know what I used to think, the reason they use ethanol, I thought it was to lower the cost of the uh, overall gasoline. It does, but it also is for an emission situation. It, it yeah. does help reduce emissions. So a gallon of ethanol is actually less expensive than a gallon of pure gasoline? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Does it have any effect on the fuel mileage? It actually lowers it just a tiny bit, but we're talking maybe four or five tenths of a gallon per, or miles per gallon. You know, in, in other words, instead of getting 45 miles a gallon, you might get 44.3, mm. Okay. All right. Well, I have a couple of texts here or a anonymous uh, feedback if you'd like. Excuse yeah. me, Josh. Sure. Um, the uh, lines have just lit up, Ooh. and we have a phone call from Amy in Luxahatchee. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. How are you guys? Great. Are you a first-time caller? I am. My dad listens to you all the time. Oh, thank you. Congratulations. You just won yourself $50. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, whenever we're finished with our conversation, if you'll stay on the line, you can give Mike in our control room your information, and I'll get that check out to you. Great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. What can we do for you today? What is the question? Uh, what is the difference between SUVs and the crossovers? Hmm. Josh. Uh, well, in my uneducated opinion <laughs> i would say a, a crossover is more car like an suv i mean stands for um sport utility vehicle so i think traditionally an suv will be more of your you know your jeep cherokee your forerunner sort of thing the the vehicles that are sort of a hybrid between a passenger car and an suv fall into the sea and that's the category. reason they call it a crossover because it's a crossover from an suv to a sedan there you go some so, of the, it's supposed to incorporate the better features of the sedan and the better features of the suv mm -hmm. yeah so you have the comfort and the step in ease of a passenger car but some of the utility and cargo uh, capacity that you find in your suvs hmm. okay Thank you very much. Sounded good to me, right? Yeah. 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 I think she bought I it. I think she bought it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I absolutely love it. 
Oh, that's awesome to hear. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't a complicated response. It was just, you know, no, it, it, that Josh okay. made it sound, you know, because you really have to scratch your head and think, you know, about the whole concept. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, like all of a sudden, the crossover kind of came, uh, you know, in the last few years, and I'm like, okay, what exactly is the difference when you're looking at cars? Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially if you have children too. So, so. yeah, no, they're they're uh, they're becoming uh, more popular than passenger cars. I mean, you know, for the, the longest time, we always sold more cars than than SUVs or crossovers. Now it's it's practically fifty fifty, and I think some some months here and there, you sell a few more um, trucks and crossovers than you do cars. So you're. Uh, you're in good company there. Hmm. Yeah, times are yeah, changing. Yeah, popularity there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Well, mm. thank you guys very much. You You're guys welcome. Have a blessed day. Don't forget to leave your information. Thank you. I Amy. will. Thank you. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can give us a call. We've got plenty of time. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty, or you can text us at seven seven two four nine seven six five three zero. And Josh was about to give us a, a text, text here. Yeah, I have a, uh, um, a nice person named Jessica uh, from Sebring. She says she loves the show, and she has a question for Nancy. She's putting you on the spot, it seems. Nancy, when were the first airbags mandatory in the United States? Holy horse Yeah, she really put you through that, <laughs> put you in the crosshairs there. So I'm going to turn it over to you and watch you sweat for a few seconds here. Well, uh, it's time for my break. Okay, so we'll get back to you. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you from the show. I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to guess. Um, you, you know, I remember, I'm going to go back in history a little bit here, um, and I'm showing my age, uh, but boy, back in the 40s and the 50s, man, I remember flopping around in a car all over the place, you know, uh, but then there was uh, some some kind of a, a cushion uh, that, that was assembled, um, and the reason I remember this is because it's, it was a guy from Pittsburgh, uh, I should say Pennsylvania, uh, so, uh, you know, I gave you my little journey through life. But to answer your question, I'm just going to have to guess. <laughs> I'm just going to have to guess. <laughs> I'm going to think, I think that it was might have been 1999. Oh, Very Rick. close. <laughs> Rick says 1998. Yes. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> I was close. I think Rick must have Googled it like I did. My answer, I actually, it, I have a very specific answer according to Google. It's September 1st, 1998. Oh, oh specifics here, mm-hmm. Jessica. And uh, also, you know, I remember uh, back then, um, you know, Ralph Nader uh, and, and a book that he wrote, Unsafe at Any Speed. So there you have it. Hence the, well airbag uh okay jessica thanks for listening to the show weekend and week out you've become a regular listener and we do appreciate you have a wonderful weekend i can uh i can say that i um being the son of a car dealer i was lucky enough to get a pretty new car when i first turned 16 so i can testify that a 1992 mazda also had an airbag because i i tested it out personally yes well they, they actually started making airbags the first airbags Back as far back as the 50s, they were playing with them. No kidding. Yep. And, and, and Rick, that was an um, engineer that I just spoke about uh, who was from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, playing around. He's a, he was an engineer. Uh, and uh, the story just sticks out because, of course, I'm from Pittsburgh. Uh, but he assembled this cushion, and it was back in, in the 50s. Yep. Like I said, hence the you know, airbags uh, took 
but it wasn't and they started installing them in cars in the 80s but it wasn't until 98 that the government said they're mandatory you have to have airbags yeah september wow. the first how about <laughs> how about seatbelts? do you know when those were made mandatory uh, I don't. I'd have to Google that, but I know seatbelts were actually becoming available back in the 50s in a lot of cars for... Uh, if I recall, I had a friend in high school who was restoring an old Mustang. I think it was like a 66, and it did not have seatbelts, if I recall. But right. I could be wrong about they, that. They were making them available, mm-hmm. but they weren't mandatory. Yes. All right. The things we take for granted nowadays. Huh? Honestly. 1959 was when they were first introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Swedish inventor put them in the Volvo. Interesting. That, that makes sense, actually. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we are going to go to Donna, and uh, she is calling us from Palm Beach Gardens. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, when I had to trade in my Pontiac Grand Prix, I came to you at Earl Stewart. So we have two Camrys right now. My latest one I purchased last July uh, 31st. So it's going to be a year old on the 31st, and your program is to bring it in every six months. 